Amen. So how many of you came in here and, and it kind of threw you off this morning just by the seating? Right? And you, you don't know this, and I probably shouldn't say it. Uh, there's two reasons for why we have switched the seating. Uh, first of all, it's a survey to see, to see who's right-brained and who's left-brained, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the right-brained are the analytical and the methodical thinkers, and so they're all on the right side. And the left-brained are the spontaneous and all the artists, and you're on the left side. So now I, now I know who you are. When we want the creativity, we'll come this way. And when we want the, the uh, methodology and the analyticals, you're on this side. The second reason we did it is we had a wedding last night. And so we didn't have time to put it back together. But I kind of like this. It looks, it looks pretty good. Um, so we are in a, in a series that we started uh, several weeks back, and we're going through the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. It's called Colossians. And uh, in this uh, series, we've been learning a lot of very important things. Uh, I think one of the, the most important for us to note is that the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that uh, were very young in their faith. And the, the reason that's important for us is because if you want to uh, get a good foundation on your walk with Christ, uh, you can read Colossians and, and see how important that foundation is. Um, I also want you to notice something important is Paul has not to this point uh, talked about or written about how a Christian should behave. He's written about what has happened to you that are in Christ. He said there's a confident hope when you're in Christ. Amen? Because there's a future awaiting us that's a lot brighter than the, the, the present that we're in. No, no matter how bright your present is, your future is better if you're a follower of Jesus. And so he says we have this confident hope so that when we suffer, and he talked about, you know, I am glad that I suffer for you in my body. The Apostle Paul says that. And it teaches us that in this world, in this life, there is suffering. I know that you in first service never suffer, but second service, they have a little bit of suffering. No, the reality is all of us go through difficult times in our life. And, and because we have this confident hope that there's something better, then when you suffer, you understand, hey, it's going to do something positive in my life. It's going to mature me as a Christian. It's going to give me perseverance. It's going to give me the strength and the stamina that I need uh, so that I can, I can make it through. I'll also get, find the comfort of Christ in my suffering so that I can offer that same comfort to others who are suffering. Amen? And, and this faith that we have with Jesus, this, this faith that we have placed on him, it gives us a love that we've never had. Because the Holy Spirit comes and he resides in us. And so this God-produced uh, uh, love begins to permeate our lives. God loved us, and he gave his son, so we have his love. But that same love is extended to other people, especially to the body of Christ. And so there's forgiveness that we receive, and there's forgiveness that we extend. 
And we have a lot of practice because every person is unique. Every person has a different personality in the, in the church. And in that, you learn how to love one another. Amen? So we, we talked about that. And, and Paul continues to reiterate that, how, how this faith in Christ makes uh, the love of God flow in the body. So the church should be a very loving place. And then last week, we learned that we are complete in Christ. You're not lacking anything if you're a child of God. Everything you have has been given to you through Jesus. And so as you begin to, to understand that and, 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 and walk in it and live in it, um, this, this, this mysterious plan that God had, 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 had kind of put it in the Old Testament that nobody really knew the uncovering of that, when you have Jesus, that plan is revealed. And so you have that plan in the New Testament. In other words, uh, there is nobody in here that's a second-class Christian. Every one of you and every one of the Colossians have the ability, that that time had the ability, to know everything about their walk with Jesus. Amen? So, so it's not like the pastor knows everything. I was raised in a, in a faith system where there was really a hierarchy, and, and, and so you had the, the pastor or slash priest, and you thought they were a little bit above everybody else because they, 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 they were in this position. And then as you got into the hierarchy of the church, everyone looked like if they, must, they must know more. It's not like that. Every one of you have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between Christ and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And so you, you, you have this completeness in you, and, and that, that completeness, you have to be careful because there will always be philosophies and there will always be religions that will try to tell you that you don't have what, everything you need. You're lacking something. But you don't have to go outside of Jesus to find something else. You have the complete salvation and the complete power and the authority to overcome everything that will come your way. A demon doesn't stand a chance because of Jesus in you. Not because of you. We don't have power over the devil, but we have the authority in Jesus' name. Amen? So it, he teaches us that we're complete in Christ, and, and that's vital. And, and so today we're going to talk about because you're complete, we have this new life. When you became a Christian, your former life is gone, and your new life appears. You're a new creation. The old James died. The new James was born again. And, and, and so we begin to, to live that out. We're, we're going to read about that uh, in this uh, passage that we're looking at in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And it's going to really uh, help us to be grounded in, in who we are now as believers so that we can begin to start taking steps in your walk with God. Now, I may say things that might make you feel uncomfortable today. Don't get mad at me. It's God's word. <clears throat> so, so sometimes when we're living in, in, in ways that, <clears throat> that may be contrary to the word of truth, God will want to bring us back. Amen? So I'm not coming at anybody. 
We're just gonna, we're just gonna read what the word of God says, okay? And, and it's gonna help us. First of all, it's good news. The gospel's good news. So when we leave a sitting where the gospel's presented, we should all leave with hope. We should all leave with God's on our side. So verse one, chapter three, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Since means it's already happened, right? Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now notice sight. I want you kind of, maybe if you got your outline, underline that because he wants you to have different vision for your life. And then he says, think about the things of heaven. Now, I would underline that, that, that word that says think. In other words, our mind is going to start changing, right? We think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. How many of us think more about earthly things than heavenly things? Paul gives an instruction that we should be thinking more about heavenly things than earthly things. Earthly things bring a lot of worry. They bring a lot of chaos. You ever, you ever been watching the news and you start talking to the TV? <laughs> earthly things. How many times do you say to the TV, God's in control? Right? <clears throat> so he's, he keeps on going. For you died to this life. You know, he's talking to the church in Colossae. You've died already. If you're a child of God, you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That's talking about the second coming. When Jesus comes back and splits the eastern sky and all his people are gathered up to him, he, it says right there that we are going to share in the glory of Christ. Now, here's the thing. We already have his glory, but not yet fully. Amen? We have everything we need, but we don't experience everything until he returns. <clears throat> so put to death, verse 5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. The, the, the word for impurity right there is the word porneo, where we get the word uh, uh, pornography. He says, don't have nothing to do with that. Don't, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, <clears throat> the anger of God is coming, or the wrath of God is coming. It's a very justified wrath. Amen? You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Now that's important, beloved. That's why I've been saying that if we walk in the truth of God's word, I'm going to pause real quick. You'll begin, if you understand that you are a child of God who's been saved by the grace of God, that you are not a sinner anymore, that you're a holy one. You're a saint who sometimes sins. Amen? You, 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 you are, you've been transferred. God loved you so much 
that you lived in the domain of darkness, right? The ruler of your world was the devil, but God loved you so much that he rescued you from this place and he transferred you over to the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of light. So now that's your position. That's where you, that's where you sit, that's where you stand, that's where you're established. And if you believe that, not because you're making something up, but because of the word of God and what it says to you, if you believe that, you'll begin to live like it. Amen? Don't live trying to become what you already are. Don't try to say, when I get better, when I get better, I'm going to be a holy person. No, no, you're a holy person so that you can get better. The, the blood of Christ watched you. And the song said, you're white now. You're white as snow. You're purified because of what Jesus did for you. And so if Jesus cleansed you of all unrighteousness, that he had to, because when, when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. The, the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in an in a, in a unholy vessel. Amen? So you've been purified through, the, through what Jesus did for you, so the Spirit of God comes. You're not led by an evil spirit. You're led by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Say amen if, you, if you're with me. And, and, and that's, what, that's what his word is, is, is telling you. He's establishing you. And then he says, verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Mexican or American, or it doesn't say that. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're circumcised or uncircumcised, you're barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives, I just said this over and over, he lives in all of us. That's why I don't look at you guys with color. I say that's a child of God. That's my brother. That's my sister. And there's a love that <clears throat> begins to permeate out of our lives because we are children of God. And we're siblings one to another. <clears throat> and this life, this life... When, when, when you extract this new life and you understand your, 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 these very important things, I'm going to share four very important things, takeaways, that, that if you can grab a hold of them, then you will, you will walk in the, in the victory that God has for you. God doesn't want you to be a defeated Christian. Let, let me say this. Your, your spouse doesn't want you to be a defeated Christian. Your kids don't want you to be a defeated Christian. Your grandkids especially don't want you to be a defeated Christian. They want stability. They want righteousness. They want God or Christ-likeness to be in your life. And so here's the first takeaway, that your, your, your new life, it, it starts with a new position. A new position. Knowing who you are in Christ is vital. And you'll never know who you are in your Christ until you understand that you've been positioned in a different place. See, my position before was I, I, I lived in the domain of darkness. That's who I was 30 years ago. I did dark things because that's who I was. That's where I lived. 
That's what was modeled to me. That, that's what I knew. And, and I became conditioned to live that way. So when, when you're getting mad at people on the news and what they're doing, probably the reason for that is their position in a dark place. So what should we do? We should be praying for them. That that same Holy Spirit that changed your life will change their life. That that same power that, that, that God has, has produced in your life to leave a life of, of, of sin and, and start walking in a life of righteousness, that that will begin to happen. But, you, but there's a position. He says, you have been raised, you've been raised to a new life with Christ. I, I have to grab a hold of that every day. I, am a, I, I have a new life. <clears throat> that old person that I was, I am not that person anymore. And it already took place. I don't have to try to identify it. I don't have to try to find it. It already took place when I put my faith in Jesus. As Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, he said, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. When you believed... If I live my life from a worldly position, I will live my life like the world. If I live my life from a Christ-centered position, I will live my life more like Christ every day, every hour. See, I've been sanctified. I've been set apart. You, you too, if you're a child of God, you've been set apart for God's purposes. God positioned you in that place. But there, there's two folds of, uh, of sanctification. One is positional sanctification. I've been positioned with Christ. He made me holy. He made me righteous. Not me, but he did. So positionally, I'm in Christ. Positionally, I'm holy. Positionally, I'm righteous. Positionally, I have everything I need. Now, there's progressive sanctification. Progressively, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Every day, God works on me. Every day the Holy Spirit is working in me and through me. Every day I put my dependency on Jesus. Every day I need to grab a hold of the fact that I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Jesus prayed for me. He prayed for the Colossians. He prayed for those that put their faith in him. He said, they are not, they're in this world, but they're not of this world. Sanctify them, Lord, with your truth. But you will never have victory on earth until you understand your new position in heaven. And let me say this to those of you that maybe have been in the corporate world. That the world takes these principles and they apply it to high-level leaders. The, the, the world is smart enough to know that when you have a position, as your position changes, you change. There's a book that was written by, I believe it was some Harvard professors. Uh, the, book, the, the name of the book is Leadership on the Line. And uh, in, in this book... Uh, his name is Ronald Heifetz and Marty Linsky, who wrote this book. 
And they use this metaphor of, of high-level leaders lead from the balcony, not from the dance floor. In other words, they, they lead from the balcony because they understand that until you can see over everything that's going on, you'll never be able to lead in a very adequate place. But if you go to the dance floor and you're, you're, you're amongst everybody and you're doing what everyone, is, is, everyone else is doing, that you're never going to be able to accomplish the bigger purpose in life, the bigger purpose in your company. This is what, 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 what it says about this, uh, about this metaphor. Uh, getting on the balcony above the dance floor, it, means to depi- it depicts what it means to gain the distance perspective you need you need to see what is really happening. Now, now, this is a worldly perspective, but it's pretty Christian because God doesn't want you to live your life in the dance floor where you can't see what's going on in your world. He wants you to be in a position where you can see from God's perspective. Amen? See, there's chaos in this world. Don't get in the chaos Live your life above it. There's a lot of anger in this world. There's a lot of hatred. Don't don't live in the middle of the anger and the hatred. Live from your position in Christ where you rise above it. There there, there is a lot of of things in this world that will try to pull you down. But when when you understand your position in Christ, you look at life from a whole different perspective. Can I tell you why? Because you understand that God's in control. And you understand that you're God's child. And you understand that you're loved. God loved you before you did anything right. In fact, when you were doing everything wrong, Jesus went to the cross and Jesus said this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they... See, that's the perspective of Christ. I love them so much that I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for them because they know not what they're doing. But when they find me, when they cry out to me, when they begin their walk with me, they're going to have a whole different perspective because they're going to have a whole different position. Let me ask you right now, are you guys living in your new position or are you living in your old position? Are you living in a place of unforgiveness? Are you, are you living in a place of, 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 uh, of, of anger? Are you living in a place of, 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 of lusting without any power? For this taking over your life? Are you living in a place? You don't have to be there anymore. You can walk and live in the position that you have in Jesus Christ. God's for you. He's not against you. God's not looking to see how bad you are. He's not looking to see what wrongs you've done. But he is looking at you and saying, come to me. Sit with me. Change your perspective with me. You see, while people are all stressed out, God's not stressed. While people are saying, what's going to happen to this world? God's saying, I got it. Uh, There's nothing that can happen that's going to shake God up. People don't have that much power. They they never will. 
Your family members don't have that much power. The, those difficulties you're having with some family members, I know you guys don't, but second service, they really struggle. No, we have those struggles internally. We're like, Lord, can't you see? God is saying, I'm making, I'm molding you. Come to a different position. Get off of the dance floor. Quit doing the salsa. <laughs> Quit doing the cumbias. Let me lift you up a little bit. Look what's going on. You've got to understand your position. Because until you understand your position that you have in this new life, you'll never see things from God's perspective. That's your second thing. You know, your new life enables you to see things differently. You should not be seen. You should not be seeing things the same way you saw them before Christ. Because he's brought you up to a different place. And you'll never see things from God's perspective until you're looking from a different position. Your, your broken relationships, you'll see them differently from God's position. The hurts, the hurts, they block. If you're, if you're in that dance floor mode, if you're amongst all the hurt, you will never be able to see the healing until you come to a different position. Are you with me? That's why gossip hurts so much. Because what you're doing is bringing your problem to someone else and making it a bigger problem. See the difference between gossip and prayer is prayer you're talking to God. You say, God, there's people that you gave me, that you gave me Lord, oh my goodness. In fact, Shauna and I, every morning, just about every morning, we get up. It's our routine. We get up, drink a cup of, cup of coffee. We do uh, devotion, and then we come back together and we talk. We talk about all the things that are going on, and after we talk, we pray. Because we want for God to be the final word. We pray together, and it's amazing what, what the Lord has done. In the, in the last year, we have made this a habit, and it's amazing what God has done because we're looking at life through a different perspective. But you've got to have this, this, this new, new position. You have to have this heavenly perspective. Look at what Paul says, verse 1. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Make heaven be more real than what you're facing on earth. Because Christ sits there in the place of honor. He's, on, he's in the place of power. God's right hand is a place of power. And things begin to look different when you look at it from a heavenly perspective. I see myself different now than I did before I came to God. The devil wants to change that. The devil wants to say you're no good for nothing. Look at what you did. Look at what you said. Look at, and I have to say, you know what, devil? That's been taken care of. Jesus paid the price. God loves me. He cares about me. And when you look at yourself differently, it helps you look at everything else differently. Here's a word for someone, and maybe you're watching online. You can't love other people until you love yourself. 
You can't love yourself until you have the forgiveness of God. To forgive yourself what you've done in the past. Are you with me? To, to understand that you're not the same person anymore is vital because when you're not the same person anymore, you can love the new person you are. Like when my friends used to say, we like the old James. In fact, this just happened the other day at a restaurant in Tucson, in Oro Valley. One of my good friends that we grew up with, uh, I grew up with in New Mexico, owned a restaurant in Oro Valley. And he told one of, one of the people from the church, said, I, I, I miss the old James. See, if I, if I lived in that position, that, that old life position, he misses him, but my wife likes this new person. <laughs> and, and so it, it changes everything. You know, um, we, the way we look, our outlook in life is everything. So, so uh, we, 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 uh, we live in a different way. We walk in a different way. The, the second Corinthians five, seven says we live by believing and not by seeing. So we live by faith and not by sight. I'm gonna say that again. We, we live or we walk by faith and not by sight. And, and faith gives you the ability to see more clearly than from your human ability to see. That, that's why in the world's eyes, you say things like this. There is no hope for this person. From God's eyes, we say, God's not done. Are you with me? This relationship is headed nowhere where you can say, you know what, God, you're not done. Why don't you try praying a little bit more? Why don't you try trusting Jesus a little bit more? Not yourself. Trust Jesus. That's what faith is. God, God doesn't force you to look through his lens. Did you know, have you noticed that? He doesn't force you. You can, you can keep looking at your life through your own perspective and your own insight. You don't have to look at life from a different perspective, but you can as a child of God. You have the ability as a child of God. Amen? That, that's the thing about your walk with the Lord. You're not forced to do anything. You choose it every day. So not only do we see things different, but we also, we have, in this new life, we have a new way of thinking we think differently. I have a new position. I, I can see things differently, but I can also think differently. Because I've got this resident entity in my soul. His name is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps me with my thinking. The Holy Spirit sometimes will bring some conviction into my life. Not condemnation, but conviction. He, he, will, he will say things to me like, maybe you shouldn't go there. Every bad action that we ever do, where did it start? 
Every affair starts with a thought. Every time someone steals, it starts here. Every time someone hurts another person, it starts here. Your mind is vital to your walk. So, so the Apostle Paul, as the Holy Spirit's directing him, he says, think about the things of heaven. Right now, I want you guys to think about the things of heaven. Right now. Is that hard to do? Peace and joy and love. Self-control, faithfulness. He says, you can think about the things of heaven because you died to this life. Notice he says, you already died to it. You, you died and now you're born again. And, and your real life, your, your real life, the real you, the real you who God made is hidden in Christ. So when the devil comes at you, you say, you know what? I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. When, when those condemning thoughts come, you, you say, I'm in Jesus. Now, now, let me say this. Worldly people think worldly, but Christ-filled people have a choice. You can think worldly or you can choose to think Christ-like. In other words, when, when those thoughts come into pastor's mind, when, when I get those thoughts, you know, those thoughts that, that you're like, oh my goodness, where'd that come from? I, I have a choice. I can think about those things and let those, those things germinate, cultivate in my mind, or I can say, those thoughts are not from me and they're not from God. I don't, I don't think so. I can verbalize, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me. You can never change your behavior until you change the way that you think. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to help me. But I have to, I have to, I had to do some things. I had to reprogram the way that I think. How do I do that? By getting the word. By hearing the voice of God. Why, do Sha why does Shauna and I in the mornings, why do we reread -re our devotion? Why do we do our devotion first by ourselves? We want to hear God first. He speaks to us through his word. Amen? Be before Jesus came into my life, my thoughts were formed by my worldly environment and by the culture of my family. I was, I was a product of how I was reared, and I was a product of my surroundings, my peers. And so were you. Who you were, the reason you were who you were is because of how you were raised. You're programmed in that. So, so if, you, if you are raised in Christ, then you still have a choice. There's a lot of Christian kids that they have to make a choice for themselves. They got to make God their God, not their parents' God. Amen? 
But if you've never had God, then you, you're just acting out what you know. And there's got to be, a, uh, there's gotta be this, this things that, that begin to, to take place. Let me give you an example, just a simple example. Okay, So I was growing up in the 80s, and, and you know, I, I used to listen to, to hard rock music. I used to like rock music. And so I'd be driving down the road, and this is what I'd have on. This song would go something like this. I'm on a highway to hell. I know you guys never listen to those songs. And guess what? I was on the highway to hell. <laughs> that, was, that was shaping my thinking. That was shaping the way that I thought. The way that, and the way that I thought began to shape the way that I lived. Now, it's crazy because here, this is a true story. When we began to venture into, into a new life with Christ... Things began to happen where you begin to hear those things. So my wife is driving. Uh, she's driving our two kids. And, uh, and, and so our life was in a place. We were at a crossroad. Our marriage was in shambles. We were going through all kinds of difficulty. And then she heard our kids. At that time, our oldest were probably three and four years old. And, and, and they're, they're in the back. And she, we used to like this you know, dance music. And she was listening to this. And it, the song went something like this. I want to sex you up. And my kids were like this. I want to sex you up. <laughs> and my wife was like, I think we better change some things. <laughs> and so guess what happened? We came to Jesus, and God worked individually in our lives to bring us to Christ. But when he did bring us to him, guess what began to play in our music, in our stereo? Christ-centered music. I was scared to death whenever I came to the Lord, because I thought, you know, I'm going to hear all this boring music. I'm coming out of the world, right? And then I heard this band called DC Talk. I was like, man, these people can groove. And God began to work, and, and he began to change the way that we thought. Now, now there's a lot of things that, that I'm going I'm to bring some things that are important right here, because everyone talks about it except for the church sometimes. Um, here's, everyone is talking outside of the church about sex, and what it means to them. Can I tell you that, that the way that the, the, the Jesus looks at sex is different than the way that the world looks at sex? With God, sexual intimacy is good. In the world, it's not sexual intimacy, but it's who am I going to have sex with? With, with? with God, with Christ, there's a commitment that comes with that. In the world, there's not the only commitment you have is, is to self a lot of times. Now, with God, sexual intimacy is good. That's what the church doesn't talk about. It doesn't, it doesn't talk about how intimacy should be a wonderful thing in marriage. God honors that. It, he, God honors sexual intimacy in marriage, but he judges those that are not married in, in fornication and adultery. Why? Because that's not God's plan for your life. Are you with me? 
But, but when Christians say sex is bad, sex is bad, I always thought to myself when I came to Christ, I was like, sex has never been bad for me. Even when I was living in sin. Are you with me? I mean, I, I worked underground. God began to change my life. And I worked with minors. And I, I'll never forget my partner, this big old buff, not big, he was short buff dude. And, and uh, Rick, Rick Natcher was his name. And, and, and so Rick, I, we'd be going in to, 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 to our, our workplace and I, we'd be talking. And, and, I, and one, one, one time I said to him, uh, I said, bro, I said, bro, the, the Bible says that, that the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. And he looked at me and said, partner, I love honey. But, but what you begin to find out is that, that, that worldly sex becomes distorted because it's absent of Christ. And it's centered on self. It, it, it's centered on lust and not love because love is committed. And, and what you find is that there's never, you, you never satisfy the lust of the flesh. But I'm going to say something, church people. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. If you are married, your intimacy should be good. Your sexual intimacy should be good because let me tell you something. If it's not, you need to do something about it because God wants for you to be honorable to him but also honor each other. If you're not married, quit having sex. Not because I said it, but because God says it. You want to have sex? There's a pastor right here. I'll do the wedding. In fact, we got a middle aisle. I did a wedding yesterday. For the coach of, uh, of the Hayden Lobos football coach. It was beautiful. Filled here from people from the Copper Corridor. Everything, everything starts with a thought. Paul, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and he said this. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. The literal says to live, give your bodies as a, as a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable to God. I plead with you to do that. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then he says, the way that you do it is by not copying the behavior and the customs of this world. And the way that you don't copy the ways of the world, it says right here, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. You will never change the way you live until you change the way that you think. And let me say this, child of God. You should be changing the way that you live if it goes contrary to the word of God. There has to be changes that take place if you walk with Jesus. Not for your salvation, but because of it. Here's my last takeaway, and you guys are saying, woohoo. Because of your new life, you have to put to death the old way of living. That, that person's dead. I'm not a womanizer anymore. Thank the Lord Jesus. I'm not a drunk anymore. Thank the Lord Jesus. 
And, and here's the thing. I didn't have a problem. It was everybody else around me. The next day they said, man, you were acting like a jerk. Right? You ever done that? I don't have a problem. I just send you text messages telling you all how, how much I hate you. I'm, that's an inside joke. Here's how I want to start this point. You don't have to behave differently. You don't have to. You can keep on living the way that you're living as an unvictorious Christian, but you're able to behave differently because you're a new person in Jesus. You can. You can. You're able. How do I do this, Pastor? I put to death the sinful, earthly Things that are lurking within me. There are still things in James Reese that I gotta kill every day. There are there are there are thoughts, there are there are things that try to come into my dreams, there are things that, that come from the outside that the enemy wants to lure me in. He wants to tempt me and take me places that I should not go. I'm not going to say those places wouldn't feel good, but they would bring disaster to my life. I told my oldest son the other day, I said, toxicity can come in pretty packages, son. Hold on to that. Put to death... The sinful earthly things that are lurking in, within you have nothing to do, hear me now, have nothing to do with sexual immorality. If you're a child of God, if you're a child of God and you're living in sexual sin, you're going back to a place that God took you out of. You're going to a place where your new person, that's not who you are. Have nothing to do with this. Have nothing to do with porneo, impurity, por pornography, because pornography will, will, it'll change the way that you think. It'll change the way that you live. It'll change the way that you can be intimate. You should be growing in your intimacy. That's why I say to you married couples, you should be growing in your intimacy. You should be getting better and better and better so you don't have to watch an image. And bring that image into your bedroom. That's, the, that doesn't honor God. It doesn't honor you. It, does, it certainly doesn't honor your spouse. Kill that, kill that sinful desire that wants to come at us. All, we all have to do it. We all got to flip the channel. You're, you're looking at something. You got to flip that channel. And, you, and then you're inside, you're, in your mind, you're thinking, well, just 10 more seconds. <laughs> have nothing to do with impurity. Have nothing to do with lust. Kill it. Have nothing to do with evil desires. Now, here's what you need to know. Men, you need to know this. And we don't talk to the women, but I know men. Lust comes at us. Lust will try to attach itself to us. In fact, Job in, 31, in Job 31.1, Job said this, I made a covenant with my eyes. 
I made an agreement with my eyes that I will not lust after a young woman. You, you've got to settle that. You've got to say, you know what? I, 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 I'm going to look, but I'm, uh, Lord, let me never. And when I do, Lord God, take me out of that place. But I will never look to the balcony and watch that woman bathe. That's Bathsheba. That's King David. Now, now here's what you need to know, men, is that every man struggles. But we don't have to fall prey. Now, women, most of you are not visually stimulated because men are. Men, men are stimulated visually. Women are stimulated emotionally. Why, why don't you treat me like John? Why don't you treat me like Sam? You might not even say it, but you think it. And emotionally, you're being stirred. And, and that, those emotions begin to, to do things and take your mind. Huh, hear me now. Why, why, do, why are, are soap operas, why is Hallmark geared toward women? Dudes don't want that. They want to see some... Okay, now have sex. That's a dude right there, right? We, we, we want some action and then, okay, then go to the bedroom. That's, that's a guy. Women, they, 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 we don't want none of that. That's gory. Just do, oh, bring some flowers. Dudes don't do that. I mean, we do. <laughs> Be careful. But women, you have to guard yourself from being emotionally stirred. That takes your mind places like, I wish my hubby would do those kinds of things. And you guys need to, men and women that are married, you need to come together with love and grace. I told you I was going to say some things that might uh, shake you up. He says, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And, and what's the thrust of what Paul is saying? He's saying, you're not those people anymore. You, you're seated with Christ. You, you've been rescued from the domain of darkness, and you've been transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. The old life is not who you are. I would be nuts. I would be crazy. I, I would be like, why don't you just kick me in the behind if I was to go back to the bar and live my life like I used to. It would be a catastrophe for my life, for my marriage, for my children, and for you. Why would I go back to that life? I see Christians going places that they should not go. You have no business there. The devil's bringing you there. It's not God. Because the old life is not who you are. 
I'm not saved because I behave differently. I behave differently because I'm saved. I behave differently because I'm a child of the king. And royalty starts to act differently. Are you with me? I'm not even telling you what to do or what not to do. I'm saying let the Holy Spirit's convictions guide your life. Well, Pastor, am I not supposed to drink anymore? Am I not supposed to dance anymore? I'm not supposed to do... I, you do all those things. Remember what I said? It's for you to choose what you're going to do. But if it's a toxic choice, if it does toxicity in your life, get rid of it. Put it away. Paul says in verse 7 and 8, this is good. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of these things. Get rid of these things. Anger and rage and malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. That's, that's, you know, that's a phrase that should become very common to us. I used to, but I don't anymore. I used to live here. I used to slander people. I used to be angry. I used to have rage. I used to talk with a filthy mouth. But now, ooh, because of Jesus, there's blessings that come out of my mouth. I speak life, not death. Let me say something to you. I'm going to say this to the praise team. There's a time that you don't go back to that old life. There's a time that you say enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm not giving the devil any more room in my life. I'm not going to give the devil the best years of my life. And the best years are the life, are, are the years that I have with Jesus Christ. But what about my friends, pastor? What, about, what, are, what, if, what if they get mad at you? Well, Peter settled that. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter, um, chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. You, see, when you're in Christ, when, when you're walking with Jesus, you've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. See, that's where we were. The, the immorality, the lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they begin to talk about you. But let me tell you something, child of God. If you're being talked about for doing the things that God called you to, let them keep talking. And you keep walking. You keep walking in this new person that you are. You keep trusting in the one who is trustworthy. And you let Jesus change your life.